It's amazing to me how both Advent and Lent, they're like little door jams. They just crack open a little space in our calendars, in our hearts, in our minds. If you give God the tiniest opening, it is amazing what he could do with it. This week, we continue to work a little with the church calendar. I wanted to talk with Carolyn Ahrens. I suspected she'd been on a helpful journey learning to press into these seasons. And I was right. Turns out she even had a song on the topic born out of a really beautiful story. And she allowed us to include it at the end of the interview. As many of you know, Carolyn is an accomplished musician but she also directs the Renovar Institute. And the way this interview ends up, and the song, this one's really special to me, really special. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Podcast. I wanted to talk with you because it seems to me that you've had a really interesting journey with kind of uncovering, discovering the church calendar in the last few years. And um, I think that mirrors a number of people's uh, experiences. And I wondered if you might be open to sharing some of the things that, uh, that you've learned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still feel like I'm very much a beginner. Um, but yeah, you know, I was one of those kind of Baptist kids. We, we, had, we had the biggies. We had uh, Christmas, Easter... That's about it. Christmas and Easter. And and something, you know, I heard the word Advent, but mostly in connection with those uh, calendars where you open an Advent calendar where there's a chocolate behind it's each candy, door. candy, that's right. Yes, mm-hmm. right? So I did have a positive feeling about uh, Advent. <laughs> I never knew what it meant, but I knew there was candy and that was yeah, and some yeah. candles or something. Yeah, to be fair, I think we did have Advent, Advent calendar or uh, candles that we lit each week. Um, but yeah, not other than that, you know, a church calendar for me was, you know, a list of our church members, birthdays and, and special church events and things like that. And I can't really remember how, you know, it slowly dawned on me that, um, there was this great vast tradition of, uh, living into these, um, this story through through the year, and I think I think it happened piece by piece. Like I've started to discover that Advent was this very intentional time of anticipating the birth of Jesus. So I remember when my kids were little, I went and I bought an Advent cal- candle thing and started trying to do rituals with them at night. I wish you know I it was my inner aspirational Lacey Borgo, but it, it never really took. But we tried. We had Advent calendars, but it it, it did start to be helpful to see that there was this time where Christmas didn't have to just ambush you. You could actually have this time to think about how complete we are without the Savior and to anticipate his coming. And then probably the next big discovery was Lent. And I was telling you earlier, you know, my, when, when it started to be very trendy, uh, you know, as you discussed in your podcast with uh, Trevor, when it started to be very trendy to say, what, whatever, what are you giving up for Lent? Um, Prayer. I would say, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say this year for Lent, I'm giving up self-control <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and be flippant. And, but then I started to realize, oh, it's kind of like the same thing as with Advent. There's the season. 
to really live with how much we need um, Jesus and his work. And so I did start to experiment with, um, you know, giving up little things for Lent and discovering how my little, my little, even just giving up a little tiny addiction, like for me, a couple years, it's been diet soda. You know, do you I'm ever so, see me without a diet Pepsi? I was in my hat? so going to be like, you didn't do soda, did you? I yeah. did. Really? I've done it a couple times because it's uh, every time I go to reach for it and I can't have it, I realize, you know, I I'm haunted by. There's a, a line from your dad. What is it? You you must reject anything that's producing addiction in your life or something like that. But anyway, I realized my reliance on this thing and it's, and it's, um, it's not so much about surrendering that reliance as it is just this reminder all through the day to rely on God and to talk to God. So that, that actually has been oh, powerful. Pause there. Yeah. If I can. So yeah. giving something up then is not for the sake of giving it up, but to give you a kind of cue of reminder of purpose the point yeah I think so I, I haven't worked out a very articulate way to talk about that but yeah I think I think something that is just kind of a habitual uh, a habitual pleasure or or you know because I don't drink coffee so for me diet soda it's the caffeine right sure. so it is it is a little crutch a little thing I re- rely on to sustain me. And so surrendering that, yeah, it's not about the heroics of, oh, wow, you know, no one's going to give me a medal for giving up Diet Pepsi. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No gold star, Carolyn. (laughs) No, no. So pathetic just from the start. But, But yeah, it's this wonderful little prompt all through the day from where does your help come from? Uh, this reorientation all through the day. So, I I mean, it seems so obvious, but I know it's helpful for folks to be reminded that this isn't um, to relieve some sort of guilt or to um, get the gold star, you know, kind of appease God that I'm participating. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not proving anything. Yeah. You're not showing God what a good boy or girl you are. It's, yeah, it's something else. It's a different kind of cooperation with grace and it's, it's creating, it's amazing to me how both Advent and Lent are just, they're like little door jams. They just, they just crack open a little space in our calendars, in our hearts, in our minds. Um, and if, you know, if you give God the tiniest opening, it is amazing what he can do with it, right? Um, and so, yeah, so those little surrenders of things are these little tiny openings um, that, I, that I can testify God does something with. That's kind of how, how grace works. So, yeah, so I've learned to embrace Lent. But my, the favorite thing I ever heard of anybody doing uh, with Lent was uh, my friend Dwight Ozard. I don't know if anyone listening would have known Dwight. He used to edit this really cool um, faith and arts magazine called Prism Magazine. I remember that. You remember Prism? Yeah. And he worked with youth specialties. Some people might know him from there. But when, um, when Dwight was, he was dying and he knew... He, he had cancer and he knew it was probably his last Lent. He and another guy um, decided that they would do this thing called outdulgence for Lent. And the rule was that every day of Lent, they had to intentionally engage in something beautiful. So whether that was hiking somewhere where there were wildflowers or a 
really great steak or time with friends or seeking out, like it was very sort of foodie and gourmet before those things were trendy. Um, but it was like, yeah, his Lenten practice was to uh, wake up to beauty and the good gifts of, of God. And, and that to me was a really great reminder that Lent can be about giving up or it can be about taking, taking something on, opening something up. Let me just pause for a moment. As you're learning about moving into these practices, and, and I actually find that super helpful, little door jams to crack open space. Um, do you think it's okay to do that? Just kind of play with it or, you know, it's, I'm not just giving something up, but maybe moving into something too? Like, how does that work? Okay, can yeah. I do that? Like your, like your friend? <laughs> well, the short answer, I think, is yes. I think, I think, um, I, you know, again, hearkening back, if people haven't listened to your conversation with with Trevor about Lent, when he said, you know, one of his litmus tests is, does this, does this thing I think that God is inviting me into, does it have the smell of freedom uh, to it? I, I think that's really true, and I think with any invitation into any kind of intentional spiritual rhythm or practice or discipline. Um, it that should be a living, dynamic conversation with the Holy Spirit. And I do think that a couple thousand years of tradition, a couple thousand years of the, you know, Christ lovers who have gone before us, who've experimented and gone, hey guys, we found this to be really helpful. I, I do think that's worth our attention. And, um, and I might even think, you know, uh, when I'm teaching songwriting classes, uh, I say that thing that, you always say in any kind of arts class, which is learn the rules first. And when you can learn the rules, then you can break them, right? You always get these young artists that are like, I'm going to be an iconoclast. And you're like, well, let's learn what an icon is first. And then you can class it, right? Um, so I do think, I do think there's huge advantage to understanding the tradition and having a Lent where you play by the rules. You know, you, you try to find some classic guidebook and you follow it. Um, but never at the expense of a living conversation with the Holy Spirit, with listening, uh, you know, with believing that Jesus really is our ever living teacher and guide and saying, hey, so what do you have in mind uh, for, for me in, in this season? Uh, this particular Lent, uh, I have a, a recent loss. I lost my mom a few months ago, and I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit saying, just, just walk with me. We don't need anything extra. <laughs> It's already, it's already lent in your heart, you know? Um, um, and so I listened, I listened to that, you know? Uh, so yeah, I think there's freedom. And when, when I first started working at the Renovari Institute, you know, one of our, one of our favorite phrases when it comes to any kind of discipline or practice is, you know, we, we, we do the spiritual disciplines as we can, not as we can't. And I remember hearing one of the faculty members say at the very first residency I went to, you know, if you're trying a spiritual practice and it, it the, it's not producing the fruit of the spirit in your life, it's not, it's not producing more love in your life, it's not giving you life, then dump it, try something else. And I remember being actually quite scandalized hearing that because I thought, well, well, what if the spiritual discipline is prayer? You can't, you can't dump <laughs> prayer, right? Um, but of course, there's just, uh, we're in relationship with an endlessly creative God. And so even if it was prayer, there's a million ways uh, to pray. There's a million 
opportunities and openings. So that's a long-winded way of saying, yeah, I don't think any of this stuff is, uh, is completely prescribed. Knowing the tradition is incredibly helpful, but there's always an opportunity to play and uh, to listen to the spirit. That's, that's so helpful. It's a big playground. And there's lots mm-hmm. of equipment. I mean, I almost want to take it a little bit further as I think about your friend. If if he had kind of, you know, given some things up <laughs> as he's mm-hmm. preparing to, to, to pass, that just could have been awful, you know. But to be invited into, you know, experiencing beauty through that season. And then, like, the same for you. Like, if you had kind of, well, no, no, it's, you know, diet yeah. soda's out this, like um, – that just could be really destructive. And so having some of that freedom to um, respond to what God might have for us. Uh, yeah. It's not just about what I want, but that we're um, God helping guide what's going to be helpful and move me deeper in, yeah. in relationship. Well, and I think, again, and this is hearkening back to, to you, you and something you and Trevor discussed, but even, even in terms of what's going to be good for the people around you. So, you know, in, in Dwight's last Lent, I think the Lord invited him into something that would be so rich for his family. I mean, they were just laying down the tracks of these memories that would sustain his family when he was already in glory, you know. And um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's that's the other thing is that there's always a bigger picture than me and my journey with God. What what are the implications of what he's inviting me into? and and for the people who have to live with me and right. are around me, yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget my my brother when his kids were younger. His his priest said to him about fasting, "Good for the soul, bad for the family." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just having dinner together and that, yeah. So there's not that we should never fast, but there's yeah, there's a lot of things to think through with God when you plan out an adventure together. Okay, so first I added Advent to the big two, to uh, Christmas and Easter, then then uh, Lent. And then uh, a, f- a few years ago, my husband and I were like, you know, we if, if, uh, if Lent is an important season, you know, kind of Ash Wednesday seems to be like the opening ceremonies. So we should, we should figure out what this Ash Wednesday thing is about. And um, we, we had a sort of a ridiculous first Ash, Ash Wednesday where we, we were calling around and putting on Facebook. Does anybody know where there's an Ash Wednesday service around here? That's how clueless we were. And we found, uh, I think it was uh, the first time, I think it was a Christian reformed church that was having an Ash Wednesday service. And then we, um, we said, all right, we're going to go. We don't really know what this is, but we're going to go. And, and um, got in the car, it was pouring rain. We got lost. I think we got in an argument Um we finally got to the parking lot. We were about 15 minutes late. And we said, How many other, church services start with an argument? Oh, I the know, car. right? <laughs> oh. Anyway, so we're in the parking lot of this church and we're like, should we go in or should we just go home and watch the hockey game? Because there's a hockey game on that night. And they were like, well, we've come all this way, so let's go in. So we went in and I... You know, had that experience of walking to the front. I think I had done enough research to know that the ashes were probably made from the previous year's uh, Palm Sunday palms, which I found, you know, 
very poetic and kind of beautiful. And uh, yeah, you know, walk up to this pastor who is a stranger to me and he looks me in the eyes and he says, you know, from dust you were made to dust you will return. And then I have this, uh, it's equal parts. There's something very profound and holy and sacred happening here. And then the other part is like, oh, what is the correct response to this? You know, when was it when you've never met before puts ashes on your forehead and says from, from, dust you came to dust you will return i'm like and and also with you thank you very much <laughs> amen <laughs> amen gotcha um so you know there's that that awkwardness but um it's funny I, i've written i've written about that that night because i it happened during a time when i was having um a big argument with my daughter she really wanted to go to a one of those hunger games movies oh. and mm-hmm. um she was in her early teens. She really wanted to go. And I was dead sent against this movie. I was like, why would you ever go to a, a movie that portrays, you know, children killing each other as entertainment? I was really, really against this. And she actually said, I don't even know if she was a teenager yet, but she said, mom, I think, I think for a story to matter, you have to know the stakes are high. That's what, Mm. that's what makes these good movies for a story to matter. She said something like that. For story to matter, you have to know the stakes are high. And that night in that service, I thought, ah, oh, yeah, without, without a living God, I'm dust. That's all there is to this story. Like the stakes are high in this story, in this season that we're about to go to. It's either all nothing or it's this incredible story that's going somewhere and uh, a life that last forever it's one or the other the stakes are really high and so i came home with the smudgy cross on my forehead mark had his smudgy cross on his forehead and and my daughter was like why would you guys go to a church service to you know to get ashes put on your forehead and it wasn't until i was drifting off to sleep that night i thought oh beth because you know to know that a story matters you have to know the stakes are high (laughs) i was starting to go wake her up i have i have my answer to your question but um yeah, through through that journey now, Ash Wednesday has become very important. I usually, now I tend to, there's a Catholic church down the road from where I live. I tend to go to their, to their service. But just this reminder that stakes are high and the story really matters. So that's been kind of my next, my next addition in the church calendar, one I'm grateful for. Molecules and atoms, just like even Adam. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Daylight takes on a new beauty and meaning when night is long and dark. Yeah, that's right. And it's, you know, the one thing we did have on our calendar, uh, besides Christmas and Easter, was Good Friday. And, but I grew up just dreading the Good Friday service. You know, it tended to be this dwelling on Christ's suffering. And and actually, this is something for which I'm very grateful. For. From when I was a very young child, uh, Jesus has been very real to me. And rehearsing his death has been very painful. Um, and, and so I have always... I've always uh, kind of dreaded that service, re- remembering what my friend went through, kind of rehearsing it. Um, but, you know, over the years, even 
that part of the rhythm, you know, I've come, I've come to realize how, how empty an Easter morning can be if you skip over uh, the Good Friday, you know, and, and, and how many areas of my life I want the resurrection without the death. Um, you know, that there's always this kind of cross-like shape uh, to our journey that some things have to die for new life to come, like all the way, from, you know, just the way I relate to people, to vocational journeys, to uh, the, you know, moving from this age to the age to come. There's always a death before the resurrection. And so even even Good Friday, I, I can't say I look forward to it, but I've come to to um, recognize how, how essential it is. Mm-hmm. I, I almost think I'd take it further. The, this the Jesus narrative of death and new life, I almost think it plays itself out in, in all creation and in, in so many contexts of life. And you mentioned it, it got to give up an old experience to have a new experience and it, you know, loss and rebirth and uh, it, it, it to me is just mirrored all through and you know you look at you know spring right now things are growing well yeah. that's because things died and, yeah and if they didn't die we wouldn't have this wonderful life yeah I, I have often pictured myself as a seed that is like you're not splitting me open right <laughs> you know like because because <laughs> the only way a seed is ever going to turn into a tree is if you if you split that thing open I mean there's this there's this death and, and the splitting open is uh, never feels very good in little contexts and big contexts. Um, but, but yeah, that's how, that's how new life comes. And you're right. There's a thousand parables in nature all around us, just kind of reminding us that's how this thing, that's how this thing works, mm-hmm. you know, right up, right up to the, the ultimate. I was talking to our friend, uh, Renovari's president, Chris Hall, yesterday about this, uh, about you know the the final death uh, w- when we when we give up uh, this earthly life and and transition. And and he was telling me the story he heard of, of two Jesuits, and one Jesuit says, you know, I've I've gotten the diagnosis. I have three months to live, and the uh, and his longtime friend, the other Jesuit says, how exciting, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> like, you're going to make this transition. The seed's going to split open and something else is going to happen, right? And and Chris looked at me, looked me in the eye, you know, we we're on a video chat and he looked me in the eye and he said, I really do believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that really does make me excited about what comes next. And that's what this calendar is telling us you know like that it's reminding us that death is the little deaths and the big deaths are not abnormal they don't mean something has you know in terms of the rhythm of human life now post fall it doesn't mean something has gone horribly wrong or we've been abandoned or we're doing faith wrong or anything it's part of the shape of life but jesus really did raise from the dead and it really does it really does change everything even still I wonder We are six feet under Will that truly be the end of us? You, you mentioned seeds and it reminds me of a I think it's the Redwoods 
or sequoias. I may be wrong on this, but it's the big ones. Those <laughs> giant trees, you know? I love, oh, I just love those. Mm. They noticed some years ago that uh, new ones were not sprouting. And they're oh. kind of concerned. New, you know, these great 2,000 year old trees. And then they began to realize that the seeds had to uh, burn at a very high temperature for it to unlock, you know, the seed. And because of their mitigating of fires and, you know, forest fires, they were prohibiting growth. And that the, you know, the the cycle needed this intense burning for new life to emerge. So if there's not a fire, then there's no new trees. Not just a fire. A really right. intense, you know, it needs to be a certain temperature. Wow. And the trees yeah. in the, I mean, if you look in these, I, can, I just can't remember if it's redwoods or sequoias, but um, you can see where the fires have been because they're such mm. big trees. They don't burn, you know, it just mm. kind of, you know, chars the outside of them. Mm. Uh, and it's actually kind of neat looking some of the, the fire damage on them. But it takes that uh, that crucible, yeah, yeah for yeah. for new life to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wrote a song. Can I talk about your song? <laughs> sure. I found this really helpful. That Jesus never said goodbye. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's what's that about? Well. So I mentioned I lost my mom a few months ago and her, her health difficulties uh, started in earnest about uh, 10 years ago. She got a very aggressive colon cancer and she, after the surgery and the chemo and the radiation and everything, she ended up in the hospital for about eight months, really long time. And my mom was so spunky. I mean, just could find uh, the upside in anything. Um, but as Easter got close, I started just feeling so bad for her. She was not willing enough for us to get her out on a day pass and, and take her to an Easter service. And, and the reason why I felt so bad for her is because my mom lived for Easter. I mean, that was her, her holiday. And her, you know, her favorite deal was to walk into church and have somebody say he is risen and her respond, he is risen indeed. And, you know, she growing up, I always had to have a new dress. I I'm telling you, honestly, last year, if I had let her, she would have bought me a new, a new dress and possibly a bonnet, you know, if I, if I would have tolerated, <laughs> bought my kids new clothes every Easter, just lived for Easter. And, um, and so as Easter got close this particular year, I just, was feeling sadder and sadder that she wasn't going to be able to come to this service. And uh, so my husband and I and our kids, we packed up the car. We went to Easter service the whole time. I'm kind of like trying to sort of pray my mom to be there with me, thinking of her, praying for her. When we got out, right after we got out, my cell phone rang and I saw it was my mom and I thought, oh, it's my mom. Okay, brace yourself, you know? So I, I said, hello. My mom goes, hey, happy Easter. He's risen. I said, he's risen indeed. I said, mom, I'm so, so sorry you weren't able to get to service. She goes, no, 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 it was great. She said, I, the only way I could have an Easter service is I, I took that crummy little TV. You know, she had that little tiny hospital TV on the big metal arm. She said, I made the nurses pull it down. And then I just kept channel surfing till I found an an Easter service on, on TV. And it was just, you know, one of those 
television, it might've been like the Crystal Cathedral or something like that, you know, one of, one of these uh, televised church services. But she said, Carolyn, you gotta listen to this. This is what the pastor said. The pastor said, when Jesus was here, he said so many important things, you know, things that changed the course of history, things we're still working with, things we're still trying to unpack. Uh, but the one thing he never said is he never said goodbye. He left without saying goodbye. Do you get it? Do you get what that means? Do you get what that means? I said, yeah, mom, I, I get what that means. And uh, wrote this song, You Never Said Goodbye. I wrote it to Jesus, thinking about my mom. And it has uh, even an extra layer for, for me this year, my first year, when she's uh, she's with the one who is risen. I know when you were here You spoke a lot of words To disturb the comfortable And comfort the disturbed Those who knew you best Must have wondered why You never said goodbye You said long I'm with you always Always know that I'm making preparations in a world beyond all time where we never say Treasures lost and found Some folks understood And some folks didn't try Still you never said goodbye You said no Know that I'm 
Did you get to say goodbye? To my mom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes and no. Um, my mom, uh, we certainly had had a chance to say everything we needed to say to each other. And then there was a day about... Uh, about five days before she actually passed um, where I told her that if she needed to go, she could go. And I, I didn't do it very well. <laughs> I cried like a big baby. Um, but I told her, you know, I knew that she was, uh, the only reason she was still there was for us. And so I told her, you know, if Jesus was telling her it was time to go, that she could go. And we both cried and hugged. And then um, next, next time I saw her, she wasn't really, you know, it was just actually a couple hours later. She wasn't really with us anymore. And then she never really came, came back. So I, I was with her the remaining days, but I think she'd already really gone. But I'm I'm really grateful. We'd have the chance to say everything we need to say. Yeah. But no goodbye. <laughs> I guess we didn't really say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's okay, right? I think that's really good. Mm -hmm. See you soon. Yeah. See you soon. Mm. That was so good. The song was off the album, Love Was Here First. You can find more of her music on the website, carolynarons.com. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>